By now, you've likely heard the word empathic floating around in the ethers or on the internet or bookstore shelves. What does it mean? How can you tell if you are an empath? And exactly what is the difference between empathy and being empathic? This week on the Own Your Intuition show, we'll be delving into this topic that has been near and dear to my heart and work for the last seven years, empathic ability and characteristics. I am but a part of this. All I am is all I give. Everything that comes to me comes ashore as I will breathe. Do you crave clarity and insight? Do you sense that your intuition is trying to tell you important things, but you have a hard time trusting it? Do you want access to your own internal wisdom and to understand how it operates so that you can guide your life in ways that are meaningful and satisfying? Well then, welcome. I'm glad you are here. I'm your host, Aimee Cartier. I've been a professional psychic since around 2007. I'm the author of the book, Getting Answers, Using Your Intuition to Discover Your Best Life. I've been teaching others to understand and use their own intuitive and empathic abilities for more than a decade. Join me each week for true stories and tools that will inspire you to take seriously your own inner knowing that internal sense that you have uniquely tailored to you and designed to not only set you on the roads that are best for you, but also help you avoid the ones that are treacherous. It's time for you to own your intuition. Hi, welcome again to the Own Your Intuition show. Today, we are talking about a subject that has been very close to me for the last seven years because I've been teaching on it, but realistically, it's a subject that has been close to me my whole life, even when I didn't know it. (laughs) Empathic ability. If you are an empath or know someone else who you think might be, this is a show you are going to want to share with them. It's a starting point for understanding who and how you are. I still remember the moment that I discovered I was empathic. It is crystal clear in my mind as though it happened yesterday. It was a spring day in the early 2000s. I was living in upstate New York as a writer on staff of a meditation ashram. I had just finished my work for the morning and was heading to lunch. When I walked out of my office, it was sunny and glorious outside. I remember I was walking up the wide steps, like palatial wide, that's how big they were, to the dining hall, and I was so happy. There was no particular reason other than the hours of meditation and chanting that I did every week that I was feeling so divine, but I remember noticing my mental state and just taking in its loveliness. I was literally skipping. 
In my mind's eye, I can still see those cream-colored steps shining in the sun as my feet leapt up them into the dining hall. I felt ecstatic in my being. Within about 15 seconds, I was getting my food in the cafeteria. It was the kind of serving setup where two people could serve themselves on either side of the food containers. There was another woman ahead of me on the other side dishing food onto her plate. I wasn't paying much attention to her, but all of a sudden I felt really grouchy. As I scooped a helping of lunch onto my plate, I felt frustrated and irritable. And I remember having this thought about not being able to get the last part of a chapter I was writing right. By the time I sat down with my lunch, I was completely confused. I chose a spot away from where everyone else was so I could see the room. That was the moment when my understanding of my empathic ability all came crashing together. Of course, I didn't know the word empath then. My thoughts, probably in this order, were, I am not writing a book. Only 15 seconds ago, I was ecstatic. What could have changed between then and now? Nothing has changed for me since that moment. Then I looked around the room and I identified the woman who had been in line near me and who was, as it so happened, knee-deep in writing her own spiritual memoir. In that moment, it felt like something huge in my life clicked. In almost one complete thought, I realized she was near me, and without even trying, I just downloaded her experience. And, oh my God, I have been doing this my whole life. I knew it all at once like that. It was so shocking to me that I felt speechless. I'm pretty sure I sat there without eating for some moments, just taking in, reeling, really, in the implication that this had for me. They were implications that I would unravel for months and years to come. It was unsettling, to say the least. Sitting there alone at that table, it was as if the movie of my life rewound and started to unreal for me in a completely new way. All at once, I was looking at it all from a different camera angle, so to speak. And I could feel the profoundness of what this understanding meant for me. I thought, how much of what I have thought and felt all of my life was mine? I wondered, alarmed, and even more unsettling, who am I anyway without other people's thoughts? Do I even know? 
how can I know since I have been picking up on others' thoughts and feelings my whole life without even knowing it? How many of the decisions I have made that have shaped my life have even been my own? Or have I always and constantly been entirely influenced by the opinions of those around me? My mom came into my thoughts, she being the person with the most profound impact on me in my life, even just from proximity, starting at, well, gestation. (laughs) How much of my decisions were influenced by what my mother thought about the situation and not really what I thought? I questioned the inferences. You see, being an empath is tricky. You don't just feel empathy, which is a trait that most people have. Empathy is the ability to understand the feelings of someone else, to identify with whatever they are going through. In contrast to normal empathy, when you are empathic, you feel other people's business, emotions, sensations, and sometimes thoughts inside your own skin as though they belong to you. If you don't know you are an empath, you might not even understand that that is what you are doing. While standing in this cafeteria dishing out my lunch, I had suddenly felt frustrated and discomfort in my own skin. A person with empathy who was paying attention to her colleague might notice that her coworker was a little off and say something like, tough day, or that sucks. That's because she can recognize that this person is not quite right within themselves. She has empathy. She can understand. She can relate because she knows what it feels like to have a frustrating day. She's been there before. A person who is empathic is suddenly having the experience the other person has, as though they are the ones having a tough day, even without really focusing on this person at all. I wasn't having a bad day, and I believe that that is the reason why I knew and noticed what was happening to me that day. I was having a glorious day, actually. My mental state was vastly different from the one of this woman, and I was aware of it. And to the fact that hardly any time, like 30 seconds stops, had elapsed before I suddenly felt quite different. And for me, that was the equation that allowed understanding to dawn. You can go your whole life without noticing you are empathic, or at least many, many years, as I had, because you think it's all you. I was either 29 or 30 when this moment happened for me. I don't know the exact date that it happened, and but I do know it was in the spring, which is when my birthday is. So that's why I'm not really sure if I was 29 or if I was 30. And it wasn't until much later that I learned there was a word for this. Several, actually, even science knows it exists, and that there were others who were also built like this. Oftentimes, when I ask my students how or when they knew they were empathic, they will say things like, I'm just discovering this word. 
I always thought I was sensitive, too sensitive, actually. Other times they will say things like, I always knew I was different and will describe the ways in which they saw this even from an early age. Other times they're just coming to it because they are having their own awakening of what is actually happening for them. Sometimes they are at a point where they see that feeling so much has caused them to constantly overextend themselves and try to fix all of the things, or they are troubled by all of the things, and now they are completely burnt out and feel like they need to hide. Once I had a student say, I knew I was empathic when I was nine years old and I watched a Star Trek episode called The Empath. When I saw that, I thought, that's me. For a long time, movies or fantasy novels were the only place you were likely to run into the word empath or empathic. And in these dramas, it's always so cool to be an empath. These empaths are always placing their hands on someone's back and giving the panicked person a soothing and peaceful feeling, calming or grounding or healing others, or doing some such lovely thing. And while the reality is, yes, you may have extra soothing powers as an empath, we'll get to that later. This depiction doesn't in any way show the bumpy, overwhelming, and crazy-making experience that an empath experiences all the time when they don't know how to control their ability, or even if they are empathic. Never in fantasy novels do they depict how it feels to be empathic and walk into a room full of anxiety or to live in a world where you are bombarded constantly with horrific and traumatic images whenever you open your computer. These depictions never talk about the journey of learning and mastery it takes you to actually be able to be a soothing presence in a stressful situation instead of a highly sensitive person automatically playing back the emotional station that is existing around you. Training is involved for that. Skills need to be learned and taught. Because the reality is, as any empath will tell you, it's oftentimes completely overwhelming to be empathic. No empath starts out by thinking that it's cool to be one. (laughs) They often wish it weren't how they were built because they feel so much. You have no control over what you come in contact with. And when you're having a great day and suddenly you're having a sucko day through no fault of your own, like in my experience when I discovered I was empathic, it's not so great. Or when you suddenly feel anxious or uncomfortable about a subject you can't even identify, it's no bueno, as we say in our family. When you are subject to the whim and mercy of the feelings of those around you and they take over your own perceptions, it kind of sucks. In today's world, we're talking about the people that you come in contact with in your day-to-day life and the high amounts of exposure that we now all have to the turmoil happening in the world. 
When a hurricane blows through several thousand miles away from your house, we know about it. The images appear on your screen in your own home. When terrible things are happening at schools, we hear. The images, the quotes, the experience is broadcasted everywhere. I think that this is part of why, as one of my students put it, it feels like it is becoming increasingly hard to be an empath in this world. Many of my students feel that way. In times of old, we used to be exposed to the tragedies in our own village, and there was a healthy outlet for the burning and heartache that is one natural part of the human condition. You could make a casserole or provide comfort or service to the person who was experiencing the pain. You knew them. You could lend a hand when they needed help to ease the pain of others. Now you just know about it. And for the empath, feel it in your own skin. And there is no outlet. You don't know these people. Yet you still feel their pain as though it were your own. It makes many an empath want to hide. That's why I've been teaching empaths how to work with their sensitivities, not against them for years. That's why I developed my Empath Intuition University. That's why I recently put out an Empath Core Tools On Demand video course. That's why I give talks on this subject. That's why I'm doing my shows on it this month, because I want empaths to know that it is absolutely possible to live in this rich and beautiful and sometimes broken world without having to hide yourself from it. That even as a highly sensitive and empathic being with techniques, tools, and understanding, you absolutely can stay balanced, centered, empowered, and active in your own life. My favorite way to describe us empaths is as radio receivers. That is how we are built. We pick up information that is being broadcast and we broadcast it back out through our own bodies. But although empaths most often feel their sensitivities as a liability, as more than one of my students has described it, and or a stressful and sometimes uncontrollable thing, it's not, by the way, with a few easy practices, you absolutely can manage your abilities. Although that is true, I actually feel being an empath is a benefit. Furthermore, I think empaths have a special gift to offer this world. Some version of what you see in the movies, the natural ability to uplift, heal, or enhance a situation through their empathic ability. And by the way, it requires no laying of hands on backs or touching at all, just so you know. However, you can't get to that, or at least you can't access that soothing ability on demand when you are still being constantly pushed around by every emotion or experience you come across. You must first know how to understand and control your ability. After that, you get the service and goodness that you can provide by using your empathic gift, 
That's right. I called it a gift. Your empathic ability is a gift. I founded my Empath Intuition University in 2015, but I first taught my workshops on this around 2008 or 2009. But for the last seven plus years, I've taught a program for empaths twice a year. Over and over and over again, I hear from my Empath Intuition University graduates, I finally know what you mean by saying that being empathic is a gift. I now experience it as such and not as the burden I used to think of it as. Understanding your abilities and that you are an empath can provide the first aha (laughs) and life-changing moments for yourself, like it did for me on that day in the cafeteria nearly 20 years ago. And so I'm going to talk about that. This is Aimee Cartier, and you are listening to the Own Your Intuition show, where today we are talking about empathic ability. What is it, and how do you recognize if you are one? So what is an empath, and how do you know if you're empathic? So many empaths don't even know they are empathic. You can go your whole life, or 29 or 30 years like I did, without knowing it. As I mentioned, an empath is a person who senses or feels the emotions or sensations of others by experiencing them in their own body. They don't just know what another person is feeling. They can feel the sensations inside their own skin as though they were their own. I remember one day when I got a call from my daughter's preschool teacher that my daughter Adelie was sick. When I came to get her, she was sort of snuggled into the arms of her teacher in the corner of the classroom, clearly not acting like her usual enthusiastic self. As I swooped in to get her and then made my way across the room with her in my arms, I saw one little girl playing with her Play-Doh, tears streaming down her face. I paused to ask her, are you okay, sweetheart? She said, I'm just sad for Adelie. One look at that little girl and her tears over what my daughter, not her, was feeling. And I thought, there's an empath. I think I murmured something like, don't you worry, Adelie will be just fine. You just enjoy your Play-Doh, honey, as we made our way out of preschool that day. I had a therapist who sends her clients to my program tell me that an estimated 20% of people are empathic. I don't know exactly where this statistic comes from, so I don't feel totally confident myself in standing behind a specific number, but it's safe to say that not everyone is empathic. It's one thing to hear a definition of the word empath or empathic. It's another to recognize yourself as one. So how do you tell if you are? On my website, I've got a free download. It's called 44 Signs You Are an Empath. I'm going to go over that list in a second. If you miss some or you want to lay eyes on it for yourself or have your very own printed copy, (laughs) head over to amacartier.com and get your hands on it. 
If you are empathic, this list will sing to you. You'll be able to recognize yourself in the majority of these qualities. Maybe they don't all apply to you. They don't all apply to me either. If you are not an empath, you'll be like, well, maybe, or no, not really. If you are an empath, you'll be like, oh my God, that is so me. Or maybe even, wow, I had no idea that personality trait of mine was related to empathic ability. So here goes. Number one of 44 signs you are an empath. You have a very clear sense of another person's emotional state and energy without ever having spoken to the person at all. If you are in conversation with someone and that other person is crying or laughing, you can bet you will be doing so right along with them. Number two, without knowing how to create natural boundaries for yourself, you will sense what the other person is feeling in your own skin as though it was you. For example, if you are with someone who is feeling awkward or insecure about something, you will suddenly feel awkward when you are with them, even if you were feeling just fine one moment ago. Number three, without the ability to control your gift, you often feel drained by crowds. Number four, you have a very strong sense of either being naturally repelled or drawn to someone. Number five, you can be easily confused especially when you are in proximity to others who don't share your same opinion. It takes very little for you to believe another's point of view because you can also feel it in your skin while being exposed to it. This can make it hard to discern your own thoughts and feelings on a subject. Number six, similarly, other people's emotions, especially intense ones, can throw you off kilter and make you lose access to your own thoughts and feelings. Number seven, you may experience extreme swings in mood related to the shifting of what those around you are feeling. The example that I gave when I realized I was empathic is a perfect example of this. I was ecstatic. Then, for no apparent reason, I was suddenly frustrated. That's a huge mood swing. I didn't go from ecstatic to regular, normal. I went from ecstatic to feeling angry-ish in a matter of seconds. Number eight, you can also sense and experience large emotional shifts that are happening on a global level. Even if you are standing in your kitchen with no one else, you can have an internal experience of the general emotional state of the populace as a whole, especially when big things are happening. Elections, stock market crashes, extreme weather, political, emotional trauma, global pandemics, etc. I remember when the schools first started shutting down in Washington and across the country due to the pandemic, as the word went out, I felt this wave of nausea slash panic coming at me. 
I quickly realized it was a huge swath of intense emotion coming from young people for whom home wasn't actually a safe place. I didn't have that experience growing up, nor is it the vibe of our home now. And I felt completely horrified by the intensity and the reality of this for so many. Eventually, I had to literally tune it out because I could do zero about it. I was confined to my home and yard, just like everyone else in those days. It used to be when I taught empaths, this kind of thing, the intensity in and of the collective happened every once in a while. Now it's like every month or sometimes every week. We are a planet needing, craving, searching for deep healing on so many levels. On the day of this broadcast, there are elections going on across this country. With so much tension and experience of division in recent years, this is bound to be an intense day for empaths. If you aren't aware of your ability to sense the masses on a day like today, you might wonder what is wrong with you or why you feel all bunched up inside. Knowing it has more or everything to do with the masses of people having and experiencing emotional tension can shed a light, a bright one. You're not crazy. You are just picking up the radio station of the prominent, intense emotions being broadcast. Number nine, you are a deep feeler. When you experience even your own emotions, it's a no-holds-barred kind of situation. You don't just feel sad over something. You may bawl about it for hours. And truthfully, it is best for you to process emotion on a deep and whole body level. It's important to your health and well-being. It's how you keep things moving through your body and prevent emotional debris from getting stuck and weighing you down physically. For example, I remember the wedding of my good friend Andy. If you heard episode 10, you heard me talk about Andy. Andy died of cancer many years ago. He also happened to die just a few weeks after his wedding. And more importantly, within this story was that Andy's worst episode in terms of his health happened just days before his wedding. He was in the hospital in surgery, getting a stint put in within days of his nuptials. As a result, Andy was completely absent from the preparations for his wedding. He was laying in bed trying to heal. A dozen or more of his friends, along with his bride, spent the days before his wedding prepping everything. I have no idea, really, what everyone else was feeling about all of this, but for me, every moment of this preparation, I was having huge feelings about Andy dying. I saw that what we were all doing was prep for the life that we were about to live and soon without him. Because I didn't want to be completely breaking down for Andy's bride's sake for more than anything, I smothered those feelings with great effort and put 
candles here and strung lights up there and just concentrated on hanging out with the friends that were there. I did everything I could not to dwell on those feelings while I was with everyone. But every moment that I was alone, and I mean every moment, I would sob. That meant, for example, when I forgot something that I needed in my car and I had to walk out to the road where it was parked to get it, I would ball. Once I even asked my husband to walk with me back to the car just because I was so tired of bawling every moment that I was alone. And I knew that if I was alone, I wouldn't be able to avoid it. I cried myself to sleep every night that weekend. I woke up in the middle of the night sobbing. To my knowledge, I was the only person having this intensity of experience then even though I was only one of many people who loved Andy and who were also prepping his wedding. I'm telling you this story because this is how empaths are. We are deep feelers. We literally can't help it. It doesn't matter if other people are in the same position. I mean, my gosh, I was only Andy's friend, not his bride or his sister, etc., And I was practically incapacitated by the emotion. If you are an empath, just know it's okay to feel big feelings. It's how you're built. I actually have a whole blog on it called something like, it's okay to feel, go ahead and cry, be angry. It's good for you. You can find a link to some resources of my empath resources in the show notes. So look around for that if you're interested. Number 10, typically for an empath, there is no hiding from your feelings. You probably aren't able to suppress emotion easily. And in fact, doing so may be nearly impossible for you, like it was for me at Andy's wedding. Strong feelings are likely a regular part of your existence. When it belongs to you, especially if it is particularly intense, you probably can't put a hold on it or pretend it is not happening. You may not be able to move it out of your countenance until you have given it its due. Number 11, a sad, horrific, or devastating story can stay with you for a long time. Hours or even days after the story, it may still be in your mind and affecting, likely depleting your energy. I can't even count the number of times in my life when I've stopped another person from telling me a terrible story that I knew I both had nothing to do with, nor could I do anything about. For the non-empathic person, it's like a sentence or a sad paragraph. For an empath, it can stay for days or forever. I can still remember some of the emotional resonance or residue of some moments where I didn't pipe up soon enough with, no, thank you. I do not need to know that. Number 12, related, of course, you feel the suffering of others in a very profound way. And not necessarily just people, animals, trees, the land or environment. You can sense these things and the suffering or disquiet runs through your own skin. It's especially acute for people or things that you perceive can't help themselves. The suffering is twinged with a sense of powerlessness that can disturb you to your core. Number 13, something that may be very subtle for someone else can be very loud for you. 
If a person in the room is having a hard time, you will feel it, especially when you get close to them. You don't just notice it like a non-empathic person would. Depending on the intensity of the motion being experienced for that person, for you, it could feel like somebody has a megaphone and is broadcasting the dark vibes or intense feelings or like they're shouting, I'm angry, when actually they are just sitting quietly in their own seat in the restaurant or what have you. Number 14, you usually want to help and will do so for the same reason I mentioned above, because you feel the suffering of others, even animals, in such a profound way, you are naturally committed to helping ease it. Number 15, your innate sensitivities may also compel you to champion underdogs or those who can't help themselves. Number 16, because of your innate perceptions of the feelings of others, you may have the tendency to overgive, or what I call being a yeser, a person who always says yes to others. You may give to others sometimes to the point of completely draining or exhausting yourself. You think because you can feel it, it is your place to help. But honestly, that is not always the case. Discerning the difference between something you can feel and something you can genuinely help is a point of discernment that it would behoove all empaths to understand. It's so important for empaths to understand that they are not responsible for solving all the world's woes just because they can feel it all. Number 17, you may experience anxiety. Of course, this is not exclusive to empaths, but I see it frequently enough in the empathic community that it warrants mentioning. When you are experiencing everyone else's sensations in your own skin, and especially when you don't even know it, you are picking up and innately broadcasting back out whatever it is that you are sensing. Before you know how to tune into your own self and the techniques that help you connect with your own inner knowing, this absorbing and broadcasting of others' energy can absolutely cause a sense of anxiety that is pervasive and not localized to a particular discernible event or situation. Number 18, empaths are frequently peacemakers. You are the soother overer. <laughs> or the person that can and does settle multiple sets of ruffled feathers with ease and grace. In my adult life, my stepmother once told me that she referred to me while I was growing up as the get-along gal, because I was always endeavoring to do just that, help everyone get along. An empath can easily sense the needs and desires of others, and if it is within your power, you will usually start settling everyone before you even recognize what you are doing. It also makes you feel better to do so because you feel the discomfort of others dissipate. The discomfort that is, as I said, in your own body. Really, though, I have to say it out loud here that it's actually not always a good thing to be doing this. Just as I referenced in number 16, it's not always your place to help soothe or peacemake all of the things. And always taking that role without discernment 
will be at the cost of yourself. Number 19, you may experience confusion or jealousy when you are around people who are similar to you in some way. Of course, that doesn't apply only to empaths, but for the empathic person, it does have a different tone. You get confused. You think you are or should be having the experience of the other person because for a second, while hearing about them, you are having their experience in your own skin. It's then easy to wonder or get frustrated by the fact that the things that line up for them are not lining up for you if there's a resonance in who you are and what you do. Number 20, you have the ability to know when someone is lying and usually can understand the reason behind the lie. That can be in little or big things. For example, you can easily easily tell when a person is saying yes, when it would be better for them if they said no. It's not an outright lie they're telling. It's just that an empath can sense the incongruency between the inner and the outer. Number 21, frequently, but not always, empaths are gifted healers in their own way. Your ability shows you instinctively what is needed to heal or harmonize a situation, whether that is smoothing ruffled feathers between friends or the actual physical healing of others. You are a natural antidote maker. Empathic healers need to be especially diligent about learning to and practicing not taking on the energy of others while they heal them. That can have the opposite effect of making the healer sick. Number 22. Not always, but it does happen that some empaths are prone to addictions. They use or have used substances as a coping mechanism to deal with the large amounts of feelings that they experience or as a way to block out the onslaught of perceptions that they are exposed to all the time. Number 23, some empaths pick up or experience the physical sensations of others. I always think of one of my students who, while in class with me, described to myself and her fellow students how she woke up one day with back pain. It took her a few hours to realize that she didn't have back pain. Her husband did. And once she used the tools I taught her for keeping her own energy clear and setting her energetic boundary or buffer in place, her back pain completely dissipated. Number 24. You can be extremely affected by images or movies. Watching violence, cruelty, or tragedy feels unbearable to you, even if it is fiction. God, I still remember the time I went to see the movie Babel with Brad Pitt. I had no idea what the movie was about ahead of time. A rare mistake I hardly ever make anymore, possibly because of this experience. I'm not even going to detail what the movie was about here. I'm just going to say, if you are empathic, do not see it. I literally got back to my car from the movie and sobbed. And I don't mean I cried a little. I mean, I full throttle sobbed in an intense, body racking, can't breathe sort of way. After I left the theater in my car. I couldn't even drive. I just sat there sobbing for like 15 to 20 minutes, divesting my body of the emotion before I could move on. This from a fiction movie. Number 25, people tell you things. Even perfect strangers sometimes reveal intimate and personal details to you. 
they sense a natural safe harbor in you. Number 26. Similarly, you are very likely a naturally good listener. You are interested in the experience of others and genuinely want to know about them. Number 27. You have a need for solitude. It gives you a much needed absolute silence. The background noise of another person's energy is always palpable to you, even if no one is talking or making noise, which makes occasional or regular solitude vital to your clearing and recharging your own energy. Number 28, you may be intolerant to narcissism. It's almost painful to be around others who are so self-centered that they can't see anyone else's point of view. It can feel like talking to a wall. On the other side of this, I've often seen in empath circles references or comments in which empaths feel they are prone to relating with narcissists. Well, I don't think this is a universal trait of empaths. What I do see is that empaths do very typically and very clearly see the potential in another human. It can be really clear to them, so clear to them that they can absolutely override what is happening in real time and believe in or put stock in the vision potential of the other person, even if it isn't happening at the time. Number 29. You crave authenticity and truth in others. Since you know it when you hear it, the truth is always more comfortable to you than a lie. Therefore, you are infinitely more comfortable with people who are living their own truth, whatever that is, than anyone who is posturing or pretending. I find the best example for me can be seen in my close friendships. For example, my deepest women friendships are with those who I can count on to say no to me if that is right for them. I don't begrudge their no because it's actually more comfortable to me than hearing a yes where it should be a no. And if you know my husband well, you know that he is almost not equipped with a filter. And it's one of the things that I've always loved about him. What you see is what you get. Number 30, you can appear moody. Before you know how to control your ability, you are frequently at the whim and mercy of all the energies that you come across. This can be totally overwhelming and sometimes, depending on what you're exposed to, has multiple divergent emotions running through your own body at one time. Sometimes your moodiness has to do with sensations that you're picking up outside of yourself Sometimes it's also just the number of different energies you experience in your own skin that can be overwhelming or contrary or stress-making. Or your empathic abilities make you more sensitive than the norm. For example, not too long ago, we were on a lovely vacation with my family in Lake Tahoe, where my brother-in-law and his family live. The vacation was lovely. But as always, after being around people nonstop, I needed time to decompress. Almost immediately upon our return, my children's school had a harvest festival in which most of the school's students and their parents gathered for an evening of games at their school. That evening, as a product of not having any clearing time, I felt totally antisocial, which I'm generally not. But I was so feeling that that evening. My body and being needed time to decompress. It was not craving hundreds of people and all their emotions at a school harvest festival. 
I went, of course, because it didn't seem fair to my daughter to have to miss the opportunity just because I was feeling a different way. But I huddled up with my knitting on the playground while my daughter socialized with her friends. Number 31, you may be drawn to healing and holistic therapies. For an empath, less is often more. Because you are so sensitive, subtle healing forms like Reiki, Jinshin Jitsu, acupuncture, and others can be really profound for you and feel healthier and more in balance for you than Western or more chemical approaches. Number 32, when you know things, you know them. Sometimes you don't know how you know them. And that part may happen to you more often than it does to others. But you can tell that unmistakable feeling of certainty in your own being. And when you trust it, you notice you are right. This is also not just attributable to empaths. Non-empathic people can have strong inner knowing in this way too. But I think it's definitely present in many empaths because, that, because of the way that we pick up information. Number 33. You may have a sensitivity to physical objects, especially secondhand or used objects. This doesn't happen to everyone, but some empaths it does. Number 34. You are very sensitive to spaces. You can feel the energy in a place. So just like with people, you are naturally drawn or repelled to certain places, spaces. You may not be able to explain it with a lot of facts to others, but some places just feel crowded with energy or clogged or just plain ugh to you, even if no one else is sensing the difference, just like some feel great. Number 34, some empaths have digestion issues. In my experience with students, this is one of the ways that their body deals with excessive amounts of energy that doesn't belong to them. The body uses the digestion or stomach as a receptacle or an indication that they are holding on to what doesn't belong to them and then tries to eject it. Again, this is not exclusive to empaths, but it's so common that it's worth mentioning. Number 35, and this is the last one that I will go over today. You love nature. Being outside is a very effective, relaxing experience for an empath. Tuning into the natural world, which you do by default, just by being in it, is an easy way to clear your own energy and reset yourself. Because of your natural attunement with things around you, nature is very palpable to you. Okay, so there you have it. Some, but not all, of the 44 empath characteristics. And mostly, I'm not doing all of them because we don't have time. But as I said, it's also available as a free download on my website. And it comes with an audio that provides four antidotes to common empath challenges. So what do you think? Are you empathic? If so, you're going to love this month of the Own Your Intuition show because we will be staying with the empathic theme. Next episode, I'm going to have one of my students on the show who is a beloved island resident where I live named Tammy Brockway Joyce. And she's going to talk about her experience of being an empath in the world and some surprising and simple and revolutionary things that rock her world as an empath. 
the episode after that, just before Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about holiday tools for empaths, like good things to remember if you are an empath as you move into this holiday season. And now I have an on-demand video program called Empath Core Tools, where you can learn what I consider the most vital tools for empaths in managing their abilities. You can learn on your own schedule while you're in your PJs in your bed. You don't have to be in your PJs. I'm just saying you can. (laughs) It includes the core empath tools, the year's worth of troubleshooting questions and answers that I've received from my students as they've implemented these tools that serve you for a life if you are an empath. It also includes a workbook and homework and mastery suggestions that you can use to make these tools second nature and be able to manage your empathic ability instead of it managing you. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I also, as I mentioned before, have a whole host of free empath resources on my website, including articles I've written, interviews I've done on other radio shows and podcasts. There's even an article for you if you are a partner, friend, or relative of an empathic person, but not empathic yourself. Okay, so there you have it. Empath characteristics and resources. I hope it was useful. I look forward to continuing the discussion soon. This is Amy Cartier, and you have been listening to the Own Your Intuition show. Thank you for listening. I hope it was supportive to you. If it landed for you, I'd love to know what moved you. And I encourage you to share it with your friends, especially if you think that they are empathic. As always, your likes and your ratings on where you get your podcasts also mean the world to me. So thank you. I will see you soon. I am but a part of this. Is all I give Everything that comes to me Comes as sure as I will breathe